Welcome to the Untitled Investment Talk, the podcast about all things digital assets. Today we want to talk about the role of institutional players in the digital asset space and how the next level of institutional adoption can be reached in crypto markets. It's Tuesday, April 12th. My name is Carl Michael and I'm co-hosting this show together with my colleague Simon. Hi Simon, greetings from sunny Berlin to I assume also sunny Vienna. Indeed, uh, it's always a pleasure to be here, especially on such a beautiful day. Great to have you here. And as a guest, expert and deep insider, we have invited Jan Kühne. Jan knows both sides, TradFi and the crypto world very well, having worked for many years in the traditional finance industry. He's been the chief digital officer at Warburg Bank before he moved over to Bertha Stuttgart Digital Exchange to build up institutional digital asset sales there. And just recently, he became responsible for institutional sales at Coinbase in Germany. Great to have you back on our show here, Jan. Hi, Carmichael. Hi, Simon. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Before we dive deep into our discussion, our usual disclaimer, our talk here reflects personal opinions of the three of us. So Jan, Simon and me only. This by no means investment or any other kind of advice. To our listeners, for your personal investments, please do your own research. Now let's start. We've seen a lot in the financial world, Jan. As mentioned, you know, both sides of the coin, I would say. So uh, tell us, how does it feel inside the crypto machine room versus the TreadFi operation? What, what makes the biggest difference for you personally? Well, I think that the speed is definitely different. Uh, I remember joining BSDEX, uh, CEO Maximilian von Wallenberg, who is now at Unstoppable Finance, uh, always said, and calls with customers and clients and internally that and in uh, crypto it's like with the dogs one year in traditional finance fields in crypto like seven years and that's truly the case it was at bsdex the case and it's it coined by likewise and the speed is definitely different and one one thing where you can see that if if you if you interact within crypto and you try to set up meetings that is basically the next day And if you reach out to banks, two weeks, three weeks time, setting up a meeting, even if it's a one-on-one, -on -one, it's not that unusual. So yeah, but it's lots of fun. Everybody is responsive and things are getting forward. So that's great. Okay, cool. That's, that's what I expected. And I think an accelerated speed is, is really necessary to bring the, the industry forward. And it's interesting, I mean, people expect this for the retail, so B2C space, but it's... If we talk about B2B, so I think you deal in the institutional sales uh, also with, let's say, TreadFi clients. Yeah, I know these, these uh, TreadFi institutional definition is quite broad, right? So it can be early adopters, whatever, like hedge funds, high network, individuals, family offices, or even fintechs. It can be really the later adopters like banks, funds, ETC. In your day-to-day -day business, With which kind of clients or institutional clients are you interacting with mostly? Yeah, as you said, the, the meaning of institutional can be used in a very broad context. Actually, for my role at, at Coinbase, and that was similar to, to former roles, is that 
It basically means everybody who is under the paragraph 14 of the uh, German BGB is in, in Unternehmen, basically is uh, within that bucket of institutional clients. But of course, the small, medium enterprise clients, they are basically boarding online like retail customers. But where a relationship is necessary to bring these customers into the asset classes, then it's where the sales initiative starts. And um, it's not that easy to segment that. You mentioned some type of business like family offices, hedge fund asset managers, banks and brokers, corporate insurances regarding the type of the business. Other ways to segment that one would be obviously those investing direct into the asset class versus those who want to set up a crypto offering for their customers, which we call the introducing broker offering. And for those, we talk a lot with banks and brokers uh, moving into that asset class to have an offering out there. Other way would be to those principal investors who invest their own money. Uh, in the opposite, you have those uh, acting as a fiduciary or an agent who, of course, approach the asset class more cautiously with a strict regulatory framework attached to them um, and, and or basically regulated versus unregulated. Um, so that is the way you can segment the customers and basically there where the daily day-to-day touch points uh, we have with customers are. Is it, uh, uh, is it a full range? I mean, this is super broad, right? Are, are you focusing on certain <laughs> subsectors here or how does it, it go? It is full range. And I didn't even, you could always uh, differentiate with the service the customer's asking. And at Coinbase, basically, we have those who want to trade crypto assets and we have those who want to store crypto assets in our custody. Most of them both, but some of them only the trading or the custody. And then we have a commerce offering for those who want to accept Bitcoin payments. We Others and corporate treasury use it for, for remittance, for payments. Uh, somebody just opposed us for staking. Others are more on the NFT business. And, and basically, the good thing is we offer one-stop uh, shop for all of those. And, and for those building these products out there, we even offer that as a cloud service to have the building blocks out of Coinbase accessible via cloud offering. And As of now, basically, this is uh, institutional sales offered, but of course, we bring in then the experts from each product into the discussion with the customers. Now, as broad and wide as this range is, and as early on as, a, as we are in this space, so many of these initiatives are probably in the exploratory phase, but what is kind of the most sought after service offering in the, your institutional portfolio these days? So what is kind of the bread and butter that you're already discussing a lot with institutional clients? With regards to direct clients, definitely the bread and butter is crypto trading and, and the custodial service around that. But what we see is that the other use cases are briefly mentioned that are coming more and more into play. And this is especially for the first time investors. And if you go to Germany, uh, that's different than in, in Switzerland or UK the ratio of first-time investors is much higher. So we are more often in the situation that we are on the first touch point, either for, for investing into that asset class or using that asset class, the crypto economy for NFTs or for payments or other means. And with regards to the introducing broker offering, that's more easy for, for those who want to set up an, an offering in crypto, namely banks and brokers. It's basically a one-trick pony at the moment. What they seek is an on-ramp into crypto for the customers and crypto meaning bitcoin and and ether but if you have the, those two you're probably happy if you're a, a pnl owner at a bank 
and wanting to have these offering for your customer base. Now that makes a lot of sense. Now, of course, beyond these kind of most attractive, maybe you could also call them low-hanging fruit things, um, is there already some proper significant demand that has been building up over the past, let's say, maybe one or two years for other uh, products like lower cap coins beyond Bitcoin, Ethereum, maybe some indices or general portfolios, or maybe even lending and borrowing in decentralized finance? Definitely. From from Coinbase perspective, uh, we build up the institutional offering over the last years and, and we see tremendous growth. Last year, it's a tenfold growth. So, and within that growth, of course, we see that the dominance of Bitcoin and Ether is going down. Altcoins are becoming more and more important because the more mature the investors are, uh, then they uh, start to climb up the risk curve and, and seek for, for other coins with different risk perspective. Uh, we see other services like staking becoming more and more important for customers. Lending and borrowing is something. So we see that, that even traditional finance starts lending out USDC collateralized by Bitcoin. And as already mentioned, uh, our commerce product for Bitcoin payments and NFTs all these things are moving into the asset class, not only within financial institutions, but even corporate treasury, uh, global brands approaching uh, the crypto economy. Can I jump in here for a moment? You talk about NFTs in the institutional space. Can you elaborate a little bit upon this? Uh, I mean, uh, uh, not, not with regards. Yeah, not not with regards to financial institution. Of course, they will. They are looking into that as well. But NFT space, we see more for global brands who have uh, some sort of customer relationship, brand awareness, brand engagement, brand experience, and they see NFT as a great mean to facilitate that. And we are in discussion with quite a few brands using our infrastructure to interact with cryptocurrencies, be it. ESC 20 tokens or others and for that reason basically going into crypto economy opening a wallet opening an exchange account to be able to venture into that those offerings all right that makes a lot of sense i mean i feel like we've been saying the institutions are coming the institutions are coming since maybe 2016 or latest 2017 and the truth is, um, they have been coming. Professional players have uh, gone into a space, uh, especially in first market making, liquidity provisioning. Those sectors are almost entirely uh, in professional hands and retail plays almost no role there anymore. But especially in the past, maybe one to one and a half years, we've seen some pretty major milestones when it comes to proper bigger institutional investors, institutional actors um, getting into the crypto and uh, blockchain space. What were the biggest kind of most important uh, milestones for you that you witnessed? Okay. First of all, I'm glad, Simon, that you mentioned that the institutionals are already there because I think in Germany, not everybody is fully aware that this institutional crypto business has already taken off and large numbers are moved here. So especially with regards to liquidity provisions, but others as well, there are large players in the market already. But what have been the milestones over the last year? I think for Germany, clearly, this comes from a regulatory side with the enactment of the crypto custody license within the German Banking Act in beginning 2020, which was the, the missing puzzle piece for institutionals to move into the asset class in the first place. You have these regulatory changes from a global perspective, 
One example would be General 21, the OCC, the regulator, and the USA approving stablecoins. Then you have, of course, large corporate treasury moving into that asset class, and most prominently, definitely MicroStrategy. Uh, I think it was August 2020, more than 2 billion invested, uh, US dollar invested into Bitcoin. Tesla is another one to mention, 1.5 billion. I think that was in early 21. Uh, also the announcement of accepting Bitcoin. Those things definitely uh, moved the crypto economy into the awareness and into the institutional adoption. The the facilitation of, of crypto services, which has been announced by PayPal in October 2020, and seeing all the others from the payment sector moving into this, basically every PSP is trying to find its way how a crypto can uh, enlighten their business. And you have traditional finance also moving into that, like Mass Mutual in late 2020. And um, so probably th- those are the, the milestones which, which fuel the steady growth of institutional interest into this asset class. Uh, that's quite interesting. Let's move, let's say, to a kind of strategic view on how mm-hmm. the market is going to develop. Okay, you mentioned a lot what happened in the last 12 to 18 mm-hmm. months, but the question is, what's on the table for the next two or three years? What we see, one development, let's pick one, is that crypto lenders, for example, Nexo, they teamed up with Fidelity. You had Coinbase built up Coinbase Prime. You think you did a couple of smart acquisitions with Xapo institutional custody business that you bought uh, Tagomi, the crypto trading firm, and I think lately also SKU as a data analytics provider. Both Nexo and you originally were associated and came out of the B2C space. And I think Nexo is still very much in, in this field more than you. Do you think that most B2C players will now heavily move into the B2B crypto play or would you say only selected one and then which ones? That's that's a good question. Maybe to step back, why, why is Coinbase moving into institutional customer segment in the first place? And as you mentioned, uh, this has moved only over the last years. Xapo, the custodial service for institution, I think that was in April 2019. So that's basically when uh, this has started. It is the, the, the belief or the, the mission of Coinbase to promote economic freedom via cryptocurrencies. It made clear at the end of the 2010 years that institutional investors will have to move into the asset class to, to bring it to the next stage and really to mature into an asset class of its own. And that's why Coinbase promoted its institutional offering. So um, as of now, we already have 10,000 institutional customers and roughly a half of our asset under custody is held by institutional investors. And, but that is, that is only the beginning here. And if we look at our peers, I think there are two, two focal points where they try to move in. One of what I mentioned earlier with introducing brokerage that they open up their infrastructure for other traditional finance or, or neobanks to enable them a crypto offering. That is one thing we see not from every B2C offering, but from some. And the other one is like what we did also, uh, the prime broker offering to have an sort of an institutional grade uh, solution into crypto trading, which hasn't been there over the last years. And and with uh, the acquisition of Tagomi and the Coinbase Prime Broker going live in September last year in USA, that was a, a huge milestone to have and 
crypto trading with all the necessities an institutional investor has with regards to compliance, execution policy, and everything that goes within that. I would assume that others will try to follow that way, but this is nothing you build up in a year or two years. This definitely takes time. And the other thing, of course, is what you have to carry along is, is both if, if for introducing broker and for prime brokers, uh, for both customer segments, it's necessary. And the other one, of course, is the regulatory framework, which is necessary for institutional clients to partner with you or to use your infrastructure to have a retail offering. So probably not everybody will be able to, to make that transition open up for B2B business as well. But we see as the industry matures that this will this is a trend. Other peers will go the same direction as we did. Okay. I mean, I personally would assume there will still be a long tail of B2C players who only do B2C business uh, will stay in there because it's simply too expensive. Yeah. Or, or what they could do is open up the value chain like Nui did, more moving into the direction of a neobank and, and broaden the offering beyond crypto. Yes. I, yeah, I fully agree. But I don't think that the majority will go into prime brokers. Would you think that... This kind of institutional crypto market, which is or was a little bit fragmented by all, I already mentioned that you at Coinbase bought a couple of companies, that there is kind of consolidation coming and that in the end we will have like three to five big players and then might be super, very super specialized other players in the institutional market. Or do you think it will be more evenly distributed? I, I would assume that it's more than three or four, but definitely we'll see consolidation here. Because you, you just mentioned SKU as an analytics tool, which we integrated. And this is an ongoing effort here. We acquired early this year FedEx, a derivative market. Um, so we would we will be able in the future not only to have spot trading, but also futures. And this, for customers, it's very convenient to have all these products out of one hand. So there will be consolidation on that end. But on the other hand, as the technology is evolving and we see more and more innovation happening and new players coming out. Okay, more or less brings me to my next question. You did some moves at Coinbase with M&A, others are more on the partnership front. And I think you have links with the with Infusion and order execution management system and that, that allows Coinbase prime customers uh, that they can trade their digital assets as part of their entire also non-digital asset portfolios of crypto and other traditional assets. So it's a kind of integration between, let's say, CFI, crypto and TreadFi. That would be one way forward. Another way forward, and this is not only now institutional, but it's a broader crypto space, could be, okay, I don't integrate, but I rather build my own walled garden, my own ecosystem. So if we look at what Binance is doing or what Bitpanda is doing with their fractionalized stocks or tokenized metals uh, offering. So these are two different trends, integration versus walled garden. How do you see this evolve? Uh, yeah, I think a walled garden and within crypto is difficult. Having 16 digits after the comma, the fractionalized is basically built in. So, and, and, and the other thing to build walled gardens is uh, how accessible is your infrastructure um, for Coinbase and for others as well? Uh, we rather go the other way and open up our infrastructure for others to utilize that. And, and in that regard, we rather tend to embrace the innovations DeFi brings 
as you probably are aware, we have a non-custodial or, or self-custodial wallet. So we are very open to that with everything that happens here in the decentralized finance world. And, and we're happy if we will find ways to integrate that into our offering. Of course, the regulatory perspective, KYC issues are in place here for us. But uh, we will see, I think, sort of middle layers between offering like ours and for some niches, for some special uh, requirements within crypto as well. And you, and you mentioned one, Infusion, it's an order execution integrated into traditional finance. We at Coinbase at the prime brokering offering, we have an order execution as well because the liquidity source here is not only that of Coinbase, but of others as well. But if, if you compare that to the traditional finance world, uh, you see they're offering like, like a lemon markets. I don't know if you heard of them. It's, it's basically an API layer uh, built on top of the Bada Bank and makes it able to build apps utilizing that APA and accessing Bada Bank being that API SDK. In, in the United States, you have alpaca markets similar to that. Probably you will find these not in the same way within crypto because they already have these API layers. But uh, if, if you think of other requirements uh, like an alternative investment fund has with regards to reporting or an asset manager has with regards to single accounts and, and portfolio management. I think we will see here definitely uh, solutions uh, which build up on, on the crypto tech stack in the same way like, like an Alenvar or Cuplix or PS Plus uh, in the traditional finance world, and, and we embrace that. I already mentioned Coinbase Cloud, which is basically an invitation for everybody to build on the Coinbase infrastructure, their own business models, and, and build the next 1,000 Coinbases, if you like. Uh, that's really cool, because um, it, it perfectly also fits into my next question, where basically right now, low risk, properly diversified, and generally easy to use, uh, products in crypto are still a rare side to behold. So if you especially look into the DeFi space, um, you have Aave, Compound, Curve, um, but also more exotic things like um, BarnBridge or Harvest, where, you know, things happen really, really fast and you need to be very much on top of what is happening. And of course, this is making adoption an additional headache on top of all the regulatory and compliance questions. So we need, I believe, we need these products that make crypto really simple and really easy to integrate in the future. So, for example, also stablecoin lending, which could be a great thing in times of uh, suppressed real yields and even negative um, rates with bank deposits. What do you think is really needed? And of course, we see Coinbase and Coinbase Cloud kind of as part of the stack. But what do you think are the most important technologies that are needed to make crypto widespread amongst institutions? Yeah, I think the most important, you already mentioned, ease of use. If that's the case, probably Coinbase, and we failed uh, the mission which started in 2012 to make it easy to buy Bitcoin. And I think this has been accomplished by us and by others as well. But to engage in DeFi is, is definitely a different thing here. And we have to build these bridges and we have to sort of the um, abstract away uh, the complexity of decentralized finance. We're already doing that by allowing our customers to stake within the Coinbase product, which is then definitely easier than doing that via the, the, the traditional DeFi ways. And I think that is that is something really necessary to bring mass adoption in the crypto world. 
And obviously, it won't be only Coinbase, but we see others from the DeFi world building on a more user-friendly, uh, better user experience to access products. And, and in the world of negative yield, it's definitely motivating retail customers to go into the asset class. But it's not that much different from for institutional clients. Ease of use is, is important likewise. And of course, regulatory framework compliance shields uh, come into play and and for those those who, who want to offer a crypto offering to the customers these aspects are likewise important because that is a mean of upsell into the customer base to have products like uh, lending borrowing and staking yeah but but ease of use is is definitely important here and and regulatory clarity uh, what you mentioned is definitely true. So uh, the ease of use and um, accessibility, I think, is are all things that we can progressively work towards and that are kind of within our sphere of influence um, directly. So we can build better products, we can abstract away complexity. What do you think, however, are the kind of biggest hurdles for the next one to two years for further institutional adoptions? Maybe tech, but perhaps with a stronger focus on all of the other things that are not so directly in our sphere of influence. Tech is definitely an issue, and that's probably why you see rather neobanks, neobrokers going into that with a higher speed than the very traditional finance ones. What are the biggest hurdles? I think, first of all, it's still education. There's still education needed within institutionals and traditional finance on the asset class and, and how you operate the asset class, what the procedures are, how, how that really works, how do I onboard to a crypto exchange. Secondly, compliance and, and the KYC AML for good reasons. They basically come in at the second call. And, and the good thing here is that blockchain is as compliance by design. It's not anonymous, it's pseudonymous. And they quickly understand the benefits of, of the blockchain technology, but it's needed to explain that and, and give them a level of comfort to, to move into the asset class. The third thing uh, where definitely work is, is to be done, and this will take time, is to integrate that into the risk management of traditional finance. Um, and, and risk management is something which has evolved over years or decades. And, and to build that off scratch for crypto assets, which are different, which, which are traded on spot, which have a different volatility, this will take time. And I mentioned it already, of course, regulation is key. And uncertainty within regulation is even worse than a strict or very strict or over strict regulation. Um, so we need certainty, but this is, is coming and this uh, positive uh, development over the last years will uh, continue over the next years. Jan, we are almost at the end of our interview. We have a couple of further questions, but I think we'll keep them for our next next podcast with you. But at the end, we have yeah. our so-called golden question, which is normally a little bit challenging what we ask you, but it's a very simple one for which we choose. So assume you would be the CEO of Goldman Sachs for a day. What would you do to push the crypto agenda? I would I would force everybody to open up a Coinbase wallet or MetaMask or whatever and buy its fund Bitcoin and maybe trade it on Uniswap against something else and, and lend it out at Compound. Buy an NFT. I would give everybody a day off and do that. <laughs> That's a cool, really, really cool answer. Um, <laughs> it's very straightforward and obviously yeah, best product yeah. the Coinbase wallet first uh, yeah, you, you can use other one but I think that is probably the best mean for educating people just do it find it out and yeah 
I think that yeah. would that would be uh, the way to uh, to bring that forward and and have other people be excited about what what's happening here and and the possibilities uh, that lie within cryptocurrencies. No, it's um, very true. I think that's how most people I feel like got into the space by some friend or family member or colleague telling them something cool and just showed it to them. And then once you realize how Web3 really uh, deals with property, simply doing logins, not via Facebook, not via Google, but um, through your wallet that uh, is only belongs to you and no one else. I feel like you, you get a glimpse of the magic behind it. And then when you realize that you can send um, as much money as you want, basically, for example, right now, also really cheaply to family or friends on the other end of the world for like three USD or two USD, even yesterday, I sent some ETH. And yeah, you don't need to do all of the paperwork. You don't need to go through uh, so many steps. It's so user-friendly. And I feel like it's still got um, yeah some sparkle. It's still, it's still special. Let's see how it is in five to 10 years. But there's, a, there's magic to blockchain, I think, still. It's definitely just just open up to Windows and and send from one wallet to the other and and see that in in a browser and and no intermediary in between that and and it's still secure. Nobody will say that no, this has not been transferred. This didn't happen. Uh, to see that is like magic. Yeah, you also yeah, following the entire thing as you mentioned through a, a blockchain exp uh, explorer and seeing really the individual confirmations and. Uh, understanding that your bank can never be down, right? Like I, I used to, I still own, but I used to also run a startup in the logistics space. And we just had days when our traditional banks were just down. And it was like three to five days a year where the bank just wouldn't work. And so we didn't have access. We couldn't pay suppliers. There was a nightmare. And I feel like in times like those, you realize just how valuable a financial system that just cannot be stopped is. You, do you still have that two days Every week, cut off time. So, week. Yeah, that, of course, yeah. on top. Yes. Yes. So. Okay, I, I think that was from both of you a, whatever, a strong call for getting addicted, right? And I can only support this. People just, guys, try it out and mm -hmm. you will, will start to love it, I guarantee. Jan, thank you so much for joining us today. And especially in sharing your deep insights into the institutional digital asset play, which mm -hmm. normally uh, people who are dealing more with retail uh, won't know so so well. And I think you always gave us good insights or in our listeners in which directions um, markets are going to evolve. And we talked about the world garden where there's open, mm -hmm. yes, more open mm -hmm. linking between TreadFi and, and, and CFI and how B2C players move into, into crypto. I think that's all super valuable insight. So thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Thank you also to Simon. As always, you've been a great co-host. Yeah, real pleasure. It's always fun. Okay, dear listeners, we hope you enjoyed this talk today. So thanks for listening. Stay tuned. Stay loyal to the Untitled Investment Talk, the podcast about all things digital assets. All signal, no noise.